You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game, but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in, in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and a $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. Oh. <laughs> and welcome to the Fourth Line Boys Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 162 of the Big Show Some Enforcer Based Podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? early December here. Hopefully you're getting into the Christmas spirit. Yeah, we, uh, we just put up our tree in the living room. Yeah, had uh, had the Christmas music going and uh, yeah, looks looks really good and broke out some old ornaments from uh, back in my youth. My, I think I had my, uh, still have my kindergarten, my Christmas ornament that I made in kindergarten. It's still packed away, so put that on there. And, uh, yeah, so excited to have the tree up and, uh, 
yeah, I was sort of, uh, once the tree's up, I think that's when I start really kind of getting into it. I mean, with all the craziness that's been going on the last little while, haven't had a lot of time to, uh, concentrate on Christmas, but, uh, starting to get into it now. So, and of course, uh, my wife with the Christmas concert and everything coming up now, of course, she's busy with that. And, uh, yeah, we're right into the season here. So I hope you guys are too. If you, if you celebrate such things, um, but what are we going to talk about today, boys and girls, here on this Sunday episode? Um, yeah, well, I want to say first off, um, I want to thank everybody who's uh, who's been tuning in um, the last little bit. I know you guys are as um, normally when I do I do two shows a week. Uh, Wednesday, of course, is interview day, and then Sunday is this rant shit show. Sunday, as it's been coined, but uh, you've been getting a lot of me lately, a lot of solo episodes. Um, yeah, and, and I said, like anybody, a regular listener, which I'm sure at this point, that's pretty much all I have is a few regular listeners. Uh, no, obviously, with the moving and everything else and into the house, and we just, I just haven't had time to, and I, I really wasn't aware what my schedule was going to be like, and with we were going to have internet and all that, so I didn't want to start booking guests, and then... Uh, having to cancel on him or whatever, which I kind of, I, I kind of did to one guy. Well, I kind of jumped the gun a little bit he was cool with it and everything, but, um, that's sort of right there. I was like, yeah, okay. I won't, I'll just do solo episodes. Um, so as we go on here in the, um, the, with the next couple of weeks, of course, heading into Christmas and everything else. Um, I don't know. I, I will have, <clears throat> I will probably have some, uh, fight fan interviews, um, in terms of player interviews, I don't, I don't think anything, I don't think any player interviews will be happening until the new year, which is actually what, like three weeks away. So, um, I think kind of start 2022 fresh and out of the gate. And, uh, I think that's what's probably going to happen. Um, don't worry guys. I have not, uh, I have not gone to a, just a solo episode shows or anything like that. I will be back in the game with player interviews and that type of thing. Like, as I said, just bear with me. Um, in the meantime, I encourage everybody to go back and check out the back catalog. Um, Steve McIntyre, John Morasti, Frank Kovacs, Roman Volpat, Clark Wilm, Jeff Rogers, um, on and on. Well, like I said, there's 161 other episodes to, to go back and check out. So, um, please, I encourage you to do that. Um, well, before we get into, uh, well, I think today's show, um, like I said, these I'm I'm really not trying to go too long with these episodes. Uh, I know everyone's busy this time of year. Um, <clears throat> I've been doing a lot of list episodes lately, <clears throat> and um, you I know you guys really enjoy those, and I enjoy doing them for you. And like I said, I have I have people sending me lists and everything else uh, that they find around the internet, and uh, I was saying to the to the one guy, I was like. I said it's funny the that least list that I did last week really actually wasn't all that egregious. It wasn't that bad. Uh, you know, there's always some omissions, but I mean overall, considering some of the lists that we've covered, it was actually pretty decent. Um, I said I kind of like when they're kind of goofy because then it's just like you can take the piss out of them. It's a little more fun, but um, yeah, overall that one wasn't actually too bad. And like I said, I don't, uh, people just send me the links. I don't look at the links before, um, I start recording. Uh, so my reaction is 
just like you, I am seeing it and hearing it for the first time. So, um, I, I try to keep it fresh and, uh, I do, and I've had people send me a bunch of links and some articles and stuff. And, uh, I'll be going over that, uh, as the, the weeks and months roll on. But, uh, I do have another list today. It is the top five most fearsome enforcers in Edmonton Oiler history. So we'll see who's on that list. But before, and, uh, I got some tough guy numbers to hit you with, and uh, yeah, that, that, that's kind of that's kind of about it. Um, oh, and I was also asked the question about starting a podcast. Um, kind of think I covered that earlier, uh, a few episodes. Well, I don't know if it was a few episodes. I don't even know what I've done anywhere <laughs> after 162 episodes. Um, I mean, obviously, you remember the player interviews, but. Um, when they're the solo episodes, um, I'm, I don't remember what I've really talked about. Um, I, I mean, I guess if I went back, it'd be easier now as I've actually in the last 10 or 12 episodes, I've really started to, um, in the description of the show, talk about like bullet point what I talk about. I never did that before and I should have been doing that before because that'd be a lot easier to go back and look at. Um, so I do have, um, in the last little while, I'll have the topics that I talked about, but the earlier, like, oh, episode 66 or whatever, um, I have no idea what I talked about on that episode. So I'm sure I've regurgitated things a few times. I know the whole Probert Advantage thing. I believe I actually talked about it like two straight weeks in a row. I was like, oh, shit. Uh, as somebody pointed out, it, was, it wasn't that far apart. So I apologize for that, but it was more like... And in terms of being on these Facebook groups, I think a lot of the same stuff keeps happening over and over. And, uh, um, so it's like, it's in my mind. So I guess I, can, I, I keep regurgitating it on my show. So I'll try not to do that in the future, but, uh, I'm, I can't make any guarantees, but, uh, no, like I said, we'll talk about the toughest Oilers, uh, Stevens hitting Korea, um, and yeah, well, that kind of about it. I'm not, I don't really have too much. Um, but before we get into that, obviously I have to talk about the sponsorship. Um, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows on the Hockey Network. Um, all the NHL teams are represented. So really, whatever fan, whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. Um, of course, they're always bringing out content because of course there's games every week, right? So always something going on with whatever team, uh, show that you're listening to. Um, for my off-network friends, of course, I got, uh, you know, part-time Oli there at the Fire for Fighting podcast. Of course, he's gallivanting around the United States now, hopping on planes. I think he's in Utah or something, shooting things. I don't know. He's out there with his buddies, and Marine buddy. And I, he put a picture up, but he was in camouflage, so you couldn't really see him. But, uh, yeah, Utah. I, I What's the song lyric I heard one time? Uh, Send me to hell or Salt Lake City. It'd be about the same to me. But, uh, yeah, he's over in Utah. I don't know if they got... I don't know what kind of bush they get. Well, I might have a lot of bush out there. I don't know, but, uh, you might have, you might have a little trouble finding this bush apple out there. You might have to jump the state line, go over to Nevada. But, uh, yeah. So of course he's, you know, oh, I don't know when I'll put out an episode here, there and everywhere. You know, he, he's a, you know, he goes along good for a little while and then doesn't come out with anything for a few weeks and a couple months. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're putting his picture on milk cartons because you don't hear nothing from him. And then, then he's back. So who knows with that mud show? I don't know. You know, I, you know, well, he's got that, uh, you know, in his, in his office there, he's got the Taiwanese massage parlor neon sign that, uh, I mean, it's probably flickering right now, but, uh, you know, 
So I, I don't know what to tell you when, when he's coming back. Who knows? I don't know. I might have a lead for him on an East Coast Hockey League player that wants to do an interview, apparently. And that's sort of up Alex Alley right now as he's all over the Florida ever, ever blade stuff and uh, as a season ticket holder down there. Um, and I know this cat, I'll, I'll have to, Alec doesn't know anything about this. I haven't mentioned it to him because, like I said, he's out in the bush hunting right now. So when he gets back, I'll, uh, I was, because uh, I was uh, sent a message privately. And I'm like, I, nothing personal. I have no idea who, some kid that's, I have no idea who that is. So, uh, nothing personal, but I probably would not be the best person to interview that guy. But I know who might interview him, and, uh, I will, uh, get a hold of Alec. So we'll see. But in the meantime, if you want to check out, uh, Alec has a tremendous back catalog. By Lois, Yablonski, Sergroy, Rob Ray. You know, part time when he gets into it, everyone's when he shows up, he, he does some good shit. Just getting him to show up. Yeah. But no, he does a great job. Five for Fighting Podcast. Uh, he is also the creator of the Enforcer Appreciation Group on Facebook. Uh, if you happen to be on Facebook, I uh, recommend joining the group. Uh, just don't be a clown. There's so many clowns in those groups, but please don't be a clown. <laughs> but if you're going to come on and create discussion and put up pictures and stuff and videos and and be engaging and yes absolutely uh we'd love to hear from you but uh yeah no in all seriousness uh it's got over thirteen thousand members and uh you know it's as close to the old fight message boards as you're going to get these days so definitely give it a shot and then of course uh out in new york msg the world's most famous arena we got broadway joe lazito give it a lazito and uh it's a new york it's a new york islander podcast coliseum chronicles um joe has interviewed everyone from mick fakota to aaron ashman to jason strudwig um does a tremendous job um uh joe just released an episode actually he kind of he kind of went a little little away from hockey and uh with the lacrosse league and uh the new york ripped uh riptide and uh their uh vice president uh rich lisk he has on because uh, it was the home opener um, for the national was it NLLL NLL National Lacrosse that yeah, National Lacrosse League um, yeah which of course we have the Saskatoon Rush here and uh, yeah I believe actually when we were putting up the putting up the uh, tree I was flipping channels and uh, I believe Albany was playing the Toronto Rock on TV um, lacrosse is one of those games I've always uh, I'm down with lacrosse. Um, I, I'm not really quite sure the rules entirely. Um, I know there's some good fights in it, um, but yeah, really rough, really rough. I'm, uh, yeah, like oh, I'm a huge lacrosse fan. Cause I'm not. I mean, I like the game, but I mean, it's not like I religiously tune in or anything. But uh, I do know um, it's. It, I can tell you, it's sure popular here well, with the Rush in Saskatoon. Uh, you know, before the pandemic and everything hit and we had the rush here, I mean, they were cruising along, selling out. And, uh, yeah, which, I mean, if somebody told me, oh, you're going to get a lacrosse team, they'll sell out every game and be like, yeah, sure. But, yeah, they get that place rocking and the tunes are going and people are are, are loving it. So, uh, yeah, of course, they're they're getting back going here. So um, that's pretty cool. So, and, yeah, another outlet for Joe um, in terms of, um, he had, I, I forget, Pardon me, but um, I don't remember his name. But he had the goalie on last year for the team. So, uh, yeah, Joe's getting right into the whole lacrosse thing. And, uh, 
you know, branching out from the Islanders. Of course, and now he's at MSG. Joe's got his, you know, hey, you know, Joe's got his fingers in a lot of pies. Hope some people weren't listening to that. But uh, but Joel, Joel Lazito, or Broadway Joe Lazito, like I said, he, uh, I, oh, I don't want to, like, like I said, you know, when you're, when you, when you're sort of the New York Islander theme show, that's the gimmick, right? It's got to be an Islander player or whatever, on the farm team or what have you. I mean, you kind of run out of guys, right? So yeah, Joe's really expanding here. He's got the, the riptide going. Um, like I said, he is working at MSG. I don't want to say there's going to be some Rangers in the future, but eh, I don't know. I think Joe's, Joe's starting to straddle the fence a little bit. I don't know. Like I said, he you know he's not just the the, the king of Long Island. He's he wants to take over all of New York, and uh, so we'll see what happens there. But Broadway Joe, he he's everywhere, and uh, I know in his last episode there, he kind of he laid it down that you know with work he's back at work there and he's busy, and I mean he's stopping scalpers and everything else. I mean, you know Joe, Joe's a man of the people, and uh, you know he, he's busy riding the subways and and everything else, and uh, so his time is is limited. And, uh, so if you happen to get a glimpse of him walking the streets in New York city, go up and say, hi, like I said, Joe's a good dude, takes time out for the fans, let him know, um, you know, and, uh, yeah, even if you're a Ranger fan, like I said, Joe's turning the corner a little bit. You can hear it in his voice when he's doing the show. I don't know. Like I said, he's, uh, you know. He's, uh, you know, you're going to be yelling pot van sucks soon and everything else. I mean, he's, he's just getting it. Like I said, he's adapting to the, to the uh, new surroundings there. And, uh, you know, Joe doesn't like to create waves. So he's, he's blending in. He's being a good teammate there at MSG. So stop by the ticket window, give Joe a shout out. And, uh, you know, like I said, and he's got merch, man. He's got t-shirts and it's, of course it's Christmas. I mean, faster than you can, you can say Sergei Nemchinov, Joel will show you his Yule log. Yeah, let him know. Stop by. Broadway Joe Lazito. Give it a Lazito. All right. I don't know what, it's late folks, it's Saturday night, it's like 1130, I'm just, I, I, you know, I got a bunch of beer in me, I'm just rambling now, I don't even know what I just said, but, it'll all wash out, it'll all work itself out, so... Um, well, I want to give, um, I know a lot of, a lot of folks, li- not a lot of, yeah, listen to me, a lot of folks listen, yeah, like I'm fucking, you know, got millions. Um, no, I, it, it's really cool when, when I get, uh, messages from guys and, uh, I just want to say, um, you know, thank you. He go, goes by Sandman out there on Twitter, riding the rails. Uh, thanks for listening, man. I appreciate it. And, uh, and also, uh, Jack Dale, the man with two first names, he's, he's out there and, uh, you know, he, uh, wow. Then he goes and includes me with like 4,000 and counting and every, you know, a couple other mud shows. It's like, he's like, you know, these are the shows to, like, what a group to be included in. Like I said, it's like being the nicest guy in prison. Yeah. But, uh, you know, back to the wall when you're in that court, when that group, but, uh, no, and on all seriousness, I appreciate you guys listening to the show and, uh, and, um, mention it on social media. And, and like I said, um, I mean, I've often said this and I mean, I, I know I'll say it again, but, um, I mean, that, that's our advertising is you guys. 
um, myself and Joe and Alec and, and the smaller shows. Like I said, we don't have alcohol named after us. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm on the hockey podcast network, um, stuff like that. But I mean, you know, it's not ESPN or TSN or Barstool or anything. I mean, you know, Isha and Dylan and them have done a great job and they're building it up and everything else. But, you know, we're the little engine that could and, uh, we need, we rely on you, the fans and the listeners to, um, promote the show. Um, you know, I go around Facebook and Twitter and, and, you know, retweet it and post it as much as I can. But, um, if you guys, Hey, if you're going to hockey games or whatever, or you know, fans or, um, or shit, you're like part-time only out there tailgating out in the parking lot, getting hammered before the game. Hey, tell a bunch of the diehards, you know, there's this podcast you should listen to. And, uh, whether it be, you know, through Island or Joe or Alec or myself, I mean, you know, um, it's all appreciated and it's word of mouth and, uh, yeah, you know, we do these shows for you guys. So, um, you know, and, uh, so I, I, but I definitely appreciate, um, you know, the, uh, you know, you turn, put on, turn on social media and you have notifications, you go and look and it's, uh, you know, Jack Dale or, or Sandman or somebody like, or, you know, Farmer Rob or somebody like that, um, you know, saying how much they enjoy the show or, or giving you feedback on the show or telling their, you know, retweeting it. No, oh, hey guys, you should listen to this episode. It's really good. That's, um, it's great. It's, it's great. I don't know what you say, and it's true. And I'm not just, you know, it's not just cut and paste when I say I truly appreciate you guys doing that. I really do. And, uh, yeah, man, it's cool. And I love it. And, uh, yeah. And if you, hey, and if you guys have any feedback and you're on social media, like I said, send me a private message. And I love hearing from you guys. And if you have a idea for the show or you want to come on the show or whatever, definitely let me know. And, uh, yeah, we will definitely uh, definitely talk, and uh, you know, like I said, love to hear from you. And if you're not on social media, you're smarter than the rest of us. But um, yeah, if you want to get a hold of me, hockey fights, all one word, lowercase, hockey fights at hotmail dot com. Yeah, just send me an email, and uh, and let me know. I, I'd love hearing from you guys. But um, well. You want to, you want to, let's get it, probably get into this show, right? Like I said, we're, we're 20 minutes in and I haven't really talked about anything. Um, I've, I've, you've heard me mention this, uh, account before. Um, it is a tough guy numbers on Twitter and, um, numbers about the toughest NHLers past and present emphasis on the past. Yes. Is his profile, uh, summary. And, uh, yeah, and he just he throws out you know oh a number of Gordial Hattricks or number of players with a fight and a goal and in a game and uh, his his newest one he just put out just like four hours ago uh, most NHL games with at least three goals and a major penalty uh, number one is Brian Sutter with four and then uh, one two three and then four guys tied with two um, Owen Nolan Paul Coffey Grant Mulvey and Harry Cameron. If you're like, who the fuck is Harry Cameron? I had to look it up. Uh, he played from 1917 to 1923 in the NHL with the Toronto St. Pat's, Ottawa Senders, and a season with the Canadians. So, uh, yeah, old Harry Cameron did it. But that was most NHL games with at least three goals and a, and a major penalty. So a hat trick and a major penalty. I should ask him. Well, he'll reply. I'll have to ask him. But I didn't, I didn't do it on Twitter yet. Um, 
I guess a major penalty could be like, you know, cross-checking or high-staking. I'm assuming, I don't know if it's, if, when he says major penalty, if he means a fight or just a five-minute major. Um, but I was really surprised to see Paul, I was surprised to see Paul Coffey on here. And I know Coffey fought now and again, but it's like, you know, at the end of the day, I know he put up a ton of points, but it's just for a defenseman to have a hat trick and a major twice in a career is like, like how many times do defensemen get hat tricks? Let's start there. And then let alone have two of them and with a major. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, and then Brian Sutter, um, it, it's interesting, like, every list this guy does, it's like Brian Sutter's, like, near the top. Like, Sutter was the man, I'm telling you. And Owen Nolan. Um, it's interesting, Owen Nolan. Um, just, um, I know in the new year, um, I was going to actually do, I don't know why, I don't know why I'm doing this to myself, but I was going to do another Twitter tournament. Um, actually, this one I'll probably put on Facebook, because I just want to try out a Facebook tournament to see how it goes. But um, I've over the years I've done it. I call it the Gordy Howe Classic, and it's a power forward tournament. Um, and uh, I think in the new year I will do that again. But uh, I mean that's neither here nor there what, what I'm talking about. But I just like Owen Nolan's always in that tournament. But I, it, when you whenever somebody talks about power forwards, it's always and rightfully so. But it's like Shanahan or Tockett, Neely or Wendell Clark. And um, I was saying the other day I was like. Uh, I was saying how Gary Roberts gets overlooked a lot. Another guy is Owen Nolan that really gets overlooked. Yeah, like he was a mean dude, man. And, uh, yeah, Owen Nolan. Oh, there's the other part of the tweet is, only 80 players in NHL history have have ever had at least three goals and a major penalty in a regular season game. Um, the list includes tough guys Mick Fakoda, George LaRocque, Gary Howitt, Ian LaPerriere and Ronnie Stern. Fakoda, eh? Snipe the hat trick. There you go. Um, yeah, so it's just, uh, yeah, he just does like cool little, uh, you know, little uh, tweets like that and uh, with interesting little, st- I find those stats interesting anyway. But yeah, Brian Sutter is like every list he does, Brian Sutter's on there. Um, but yes, that is tough guy numbers on Twitter if one is so inclined to be on that platform um yeah guys um before we get into the Euler list here and everything else um, I won't keep you too long today but I've seen this come up again with the on the message boards and uh here we go but as always Scott Stevens for some reason like I've talked about this a million times but um, for the last couple of days, I don't know if it's like they get the, the thread gets deleted. So they put it up again and a different thing, but it's Stevens hitting Paul Korea. And of course everybody remembers that hit in the playoffs. And of course, Korea for amazingly, uh, came back later in the game as I believe scored the winning goal. But, um, you know, another one of those huge hits that Stevens throws and, um, you know, and again, I guess it, it gets debated about whether it was dirty or not, or, uh, I mean, to a, a Gen Zer watching it, yeah. I mean, that's attempted murder in their mind, but um, yeah, it was a brutal hit. And uh, you know, was it late? Eh. I said in slow motion, everything looks late. Um, as I as I said with that, um, if you have to use super slow motion to prove your case, you have no case. Um, yeah, it was a brutal hit and everything else. But a lot of people after, like, the, the video goes out, oh, Steven's typical piece of shit and dirty and career. That was career ender. Never played, you know, was never the same. 
you know, and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, this guy kept, he called it a career ender. And I'm like, well, Paul Correa played six more seasons after that hit and scored over 300 points in those six years. So I don't, you keep saying career ender. It's like, like, are you speaking metaphorically? Like, it's just like, it didn't end his career though. Like, as I told the guy, and he's like, okay, whatever, fucktard and what. I'm like, okay, that's, I don't, what, what is that? What, like, he's he's swearing at me and everything else. And I'm like, well, the, I don't know what you're mad about, though. It's, I'm giving you facts. He did play for six more years. And, in fact, the next year had 85 points. So, I don't know what you're talking about, career ender. Clearly, it wasn't. Like I said, he had three more. Well, yeah, but then he retired. Well, yeah, he was also in his mid-30s at that point. So, most people do retire at that point. Again, um, you know, I, I, I don't know if you're trying. Like, the hit was brutal enough. Like, you don't... Uh, like I said, I don't, I don't really know what you need to continue on. Like, this somehow proves your point that you think Stevens is really dirty because he ended career. Oh, he ended Lindros's career too. Yeah, again, Lindros played eight more years. Like, it's just you keep saying this, but it's like, well, they were never the same. Well, you know, okay. I mean, like I said, with Korea, he had some points the next year. I don't how many. Okay, because he didn't get a hundred. His his, you know, it's, he was not the same. I don't. I think you're putting way too much emphasis on it. Um, like, yeah, it was a brutal hit and whatever else. I mean, regardless, the guy came back and scored a goal, scored the winning goal in the, in the same game. So I don't know how you keep using this word career, this phrase career ender. Um, and I've, he wasn't the only guy. I've seen that a bunch of times. People have said that, that, that Stevens ended Korea and Lindros's career. Again, I guess if you're, like, were they the same? Was Lindros the same? No, he wasn't the same player after. But, I mean, it was definitely a cumulative damage. I mean, Kasparitis and all those guys got a piece of him over the years. Um, Stevens probably, maybe it was the icing on the cake. But, again, he did play eight more years. Now, it wasn't the Lindros in Philadelphia. No, it wasn't. But, uh, uh, and he certainly, you know, Lind, from his own admission, he played different. But, um, still went to the Hall of Fame, you know, so it's like, eh, you know, uh, I, I just, uh, I, I mean, this this really has, this, this segment or whatever you want to call it of the show really has no ending. I was just sort of, uh, it was just a conversation that was happening uh, today, yesterday and today uh, with this guy. And it was just like, and I've, like I said, I've seen it whenever Stevens gets brought up, that, that gets brought up a number of times, but all the careers he ended. And it was like, you know, and like I said, he gets, somehow he gets put in the category of all Samuelson and stuff. And it's like, well, no, I mean, he never took out anyone's knees or eyes or anything like that. I mean, no, you know, and like I said, it depends. I think it depends on who's, who's, what team you cheer for or whatever. Like everybody said, he threw this huge elbows and all this. It's like, well, he didn't, you know, and he leaves his feet and you know, he doesn't. It's like the, the, after he hits, he comes up. And pops up because of the momentum, but he's never left his feet. But again, and it's all right on video. It shows that he doesn't, but yet they're still yelling that he did. So, I mean, you know, I, I guess Homerism's blind, I suppose, even when, when the mountain of evidence right in your face. So, I mean, and I understand people's dislike for Scott Stevens. I get it. But at the end of the day, I mean, you know, he didn't end their careers and he didn't leave his feet and, and all this stuff, so I don't know what to tell you, but uh, the hate is real. There you go with Scott Stevens, anyway. Um, 
Well, folks, uh, like I said, we certainly won't uh, have a long episode today. But like I said, I guess we're a half an hour in. So, um, like I said, I have um, links sent to me all the time, and which I appreciate um, you guys for, for doing it. I don't want to say it makes the show easier, but it does make the show easier. Um, but I think, like I said, uh, everybody seems to enjoy the list. I enjoy bringing them to you and doing them. And, uh, like I said, and the, uh, the response has been really positive to them. Um, you can tell by the listens and stuff, by the numbers. So you guys are digging it. So that's cool. And, uh, once these kind of fade out, like, I mean, there's only so many lists on the internet that you can do. Um, you know, I will, uh, I think what I'm also going to do is I'm going to do a couple polls uh, amongst the Facebook groups. We'll kind of get fight fans' feelings on maybe a top 10 all-time or, a, you know, a minor league one or something. You know, whatever. We'll do a few of them. But, uh, you know, I want to do that, like, over the course of a, like, I don't want to put up a poll, to, you know, on a Friday and then I'm going to do the show on Saturday. Like, I want to give it, I'll do it for over a week. That way everybody can you know, over the course of the week can see the thing and submit their top 10 or whatever. And, uh, I think I'll, I'll do that actually, as soon as I'm done this, maybe, uh, Monday, I will put up a, a thing in the, in the different Facebook groups and on Twitter, um, to email me. I'll set up a, a, a temporary email. Um, and I'll have email me your top 10 all time. And, uh, we'll break that down on next week's next week's show. We'll do an all time According to the fight fans of social media, we'll do a top 10 of all time. But uh, here we are. The uh, This was uh, Ferda Oil. I don't know what that is. It's a website, I guess. Ferda Oil. Okay. The top five enforcers in Oilers history. January 24th, 2021. So this is brand new, pretty much. So the Edmonton Oilers have been lucky to have the best heavyweights in the National Hockey League. Some of the best heavyweights in the National Hockey League has ever seen, and that's why this discussion over the absolute best enforcer in team history can go on forever. Whether the team needed an emotional spark or good old-fashioned revenge, it's usually the biggest and baddest guy for the job. Here is a list of the top five enforcers in Oiler history based on style, toughness, and everlasting folktales. All right. Number five, Steve McIntyre. Well, there you go. One of the start of... Uh, 2008-2009 season, the Florida Panthers put the tough Saskatchewan boy on waivers. Oilers scooped him up. McIntyre made his first appearance in the Battle of the Preseason with the Battle of Alberta. Immediately, with a, And he immediately made things different with an uppercut to Jim Vandermeer's chin. Uh, 6'5", 250. Yeah. Uh, well, part, he had two stints with the Oilers and had his impression felt in the Battle of Alberta after the Vandermeer fight. He also crushed us to Boyd, forced Press to f- drop the gloves. Had a marathon fight with McGrath and broke Ivan as his orbital bone. He even fought heavyweight champion Derek Bugard to a couple of draws. McIntyre may have played less than everyone on the anyone on the roster at the time, but he was exactly what the Oilers needed, and he did his job very well. Um, here, I'll do the list, and then we'll break these down after here. Number four. Well, there you go. Marty McSorley. Like McIntyre, Marty was an old farm boy. He made big league by beating people up. Uh, at 6-1-1-9, he wasn't the biggest of the bunch, but he had the, he had the toughness and the heart on his side as an oiler. McSorley had 89 fights in 199 regular season game. That averages out to a fight every two or three games. When McSorley's antics weren't giving the opposition reasons to hate him, he was talking... He was taking part in marathon fights. Say what you want about the guy. You can't take away from the fact that his cardio was incredible. 
Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting with... Uh, oh, here, we'll... Uh, yeah, we'll break the list down. Then I'll break it down. Um, number three, Dave Brown. Here you go. <laughs> um, when hockey fans think of Dave Brown, they probably picture him in a flyer sweater. Um so by the time the Oilers were looking for a new tough guy to replace McSorley in 88-89, Brown was the obvious choice. One of Brown's claims to fame was a custom jersey, a skin-tight left sleeve on a throwing arm. With less fabric to grab onto, his opponents often found themselves searching for something, and he brought the jackhammer down on them. Uh, a victim of Brown was Calgary Flames enforcer Stu Grimson at the time. Grimson was just getting his feet wet in the NHL and had actually done pretty well in the first bout with the Oilers' tough guy. It was the bo- it was both the best of times and worst of time, Grimson said years later, about defeating who he considered the heavyweight champion of the league. You don't get the better of Dave Brown and not be called to answer for it very soon. Uh, yeah. Two nights later in Calgary, Brown told reporters, don't go for coffee. Sure enough, he delivered one of the most memorable beatdowns in Oilers history in the first period. Grimson left the ice with a broken cheek and orbital bone and required reconstructive surgery to his face. Yeah, if you um, if you ever uh, just go on YouTube and look that fight up, it's brutal. Number two, Dave Semenko. Let's make things clear about Dave Semenko. He was mean, he was dirty, and he was a fan favorite. He stirred the pot, protected his teammates, was a pure enforcer, the kind of guy who doesn't exist in today's game. Not only would he beat, beat up guys, he'd throw an elbow to an unsuspecting player between the whistles, punch a guy, when he was on the ice and even clinched someone and throw an MMA style knee. Yeah. Uh, what can you say about Semenko? Yeah, Wayne Gretzky's bodyguard. Yeah. Number one. Oh, before Gretzky shared at, at Semenko's funeral. Well, at the time, Semenko was sent down to play for the Wichita Wind of the Central Hockey League. That sheds light on his sense of humor. When he got there, he asked which number he wanted. His first choice was obviously 27. That was taken, so he said he'd take 17. That was the number he wore in high school. That was taken, too. Finally, he asked, is 99 available? Yeah, Semenko, that'd be sweet. (laughs) Number one. Well, there you go, George. George LaRock. George LaRock isn't just the Oilers' best enforcer of all time. He might be the best enforcer in NHL history. Mm. He was the heavyweight champion of the league for the majority of his career, probably from 99 to 09. Not only was he good at policing the game, but he was also the best fighter in an era which saw a new version of heavyweights evolve. Samantha Brown and McSorley didn't have to fight the same type of opponents LaRock faced. Yeah. Um <clears throat> remained in the wasn't resigned to 06. Yeah, there you go. Um so McIntyre, McSorley, then Brown, Samanko, and George LaRock. That's a pretty solid list. I mean, um the the one thing I will say, um, you know, and this might get a few people riled up, um the thing with McIntyre is I think people mistakenly think that he played a long time. And I looked it up, um, the magic of editing. Um, you know, with preseason and everything, McIntyre had 19 fights with the Oilers. Um, it always seems like he's around longer than that. But um, that's including preseason. There. I think I said that. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, Um so I, I don't know. Um, 
Now, obviously, if he had had a lengthy career and played, you know, five or six, seven years like these guys, like the rest of these guys did with the Oilers, um, yeah, without a doubt, he would have been in that conversation. Um, yeah, I always said even when he was playing, I mean, the majority of his time was spent in the American Hockey League, and I always used to say, like, the toughest guy in hockey is the American Hockey League. Um, uh, yeah, and it's a shame. And I never understood it. Like, he, a guy that big... Matt could skate pretty good, like for a big guy like that, um, for the role being what it was at the time. And I mean, I'm not saying, oh, he should, he'd should get power play time and all that. I'm not saying that, but yeah, for a fourth line guy, skate his lane, big dude, um, he could do it. And I never understood why he didn't get more NHL time with, with any team really. And, um, it's too bad. Um, but yeah, definitely one, one of the toughest, um, but like I said, I, it's, it's, I think people make the mistake of just assuming that McIntyre played five, six, seven years in the, in the NHL when he didn't. Um, you know, he barely played a hundred games. And, uh, yeah. I'm, and I'm not saying that as a slight to Steve McIntyre. That's just, that's what happened. And, uh, so, um, I wouldn't have him on this list just due to, um, like the potential. Yeah. But at the end of the day, he just didn't fight enough. He wasn't around long enough for me personally to be on a top five Euler list. Um, uh, I'll go through the list first and then I'll say who I think should have been on it. But um, yeah, the next one with McSorley. I mean, well, you can't argue with Marty. The thing that was surprising with McSorley and I looked it up and again, I didn't realize this either. Um, I just assumed he played longer in Edmonton. He really only played four seasons there. And uh but it just seemed like he was there for a really long time. And it was like three, and then what was he, three traded to LA, and then he was back for one with the Oilers right at the end of his career. But, um, yeah, he just seemed like he was there for a lot longer. But, uh, I mean, what is there to say about Marty? He's one of the all-time best. Um, again, um, I've always said there's a difference between enforcing and fighting. He could be a great fighter, but not be a great, you know, there's a difference between a great enforcer and a great fighter. Now, if you could do both, well, then now you're cooking with gas, right? But, um, and McSorley was a great in a four. He was a good fighter, too. He's a great fighter. But, um, you know, but he didn't have the huge power knockouts. He was a, he was a uh, marathon guy. Never got tired, uh, you know, but would fight anybody and hang in with anybody. And, like, he was unbelievable. Um, but, um, like, you do it like porn star stamina. But, um, you know, but, uh, in terms of enforcing, probably, top one of the best ever um you know he took it to the level and you know by today's standards yeah it's it was crazy what he you know some of the stuff he not crazy but the extreme to what he like now people can't wrap their heads around it but back then yeah that's just what you did and that's um that was his role and and nobody touched Gretzky that was just or Curry or any of those guys or you know when he got to LA all like Oh, it didn't matter what team Marty was on. You didn't mess with his teammates. And it wasn't, I'll get you next game or next week when we play. It was like no next shift and you're answering for it. And if you don't, and it didn't matter if you were the first line guy or the fourth line guy, you were paying the price. And, and Marty was tremendous at it. And, uh, again, if you go to YouTube, fourth line voice on YouTube, check out my YouTube channel, 2,600 fights. I just added five or six last night. I'll be adding more tonight too. But, um, now that I got all my fight DVDs back, I'll be really, I'll really crank up the YouTube channel here. But uh, on that, on my YouTube channel, there's a, a snippet from the uh, um, 
uh, what was the Nylon documentary? I always want to say Ice Guardians. It's not Ice Guardians. Last Gladiators. Um, the DVD extras. I put up a, a little like seven minute interview with McSorley. And he describes the enforcer role perfectly. And you go and listen to that. And it's like, yeah, that's that was the job. And Marty did it to a T. Tremendous. Uh, yeah, Dave Brown, number three. I mean, one of one of the top, one of my top five of all time. Um, just a scary, mean dude. Didn't give a shit. Stick your coat up your ass. There's no code. There was, you know, and one of the baddest dudes ever. And I mean, when he was with the Oilers, I mean, like you said, you got the beating of Grimson. Um, of course, everybody remembers the the vicious kite thing was just ground and pound. Um, Mackenzie. I'm trying to think of it. I always say, like the article said, I, when I think of Brown, I think of the Flyers. But um, he had a solid run for a couple of years there in Edmonton. Um, he wasn't there for very long. It was about two and a half, three years. Um, but impactful. I think he got Miller a couple times too. If I remember my Dave Brown Oilers. Of course, infamously, him and Probert had their big, finally had their big, uh, serious fight. I mean, they had a couple of snore, snooze fest when he was in Philly, but, uh, I think Probert got him with the Edmonton, in the Edmonton fight. But, uh, yeah, Brown, man. Phew, yeah. I think I looked on Drop Your Gloves and he had 37 tilts and, uh, yeah, vicious dude, man. Like 37 with the Oilers. So, uh, Semenko, um, yeah, played nine seasons with the Oilers. Uh, well, seven of them in the NHL, two in the WHA. Um, according to hockeyfights.com, I was adding him up. He had about 50 fights, 50 NHL Oiler fights. I don't know how many fights he had in the WHA. Damn, can't get his thing on Drop Your Loves, but, uh, yeah, Semenko, like I said, one of the top enforcers of all time. Um, really, I like in my opinion, there's not a lot of footage of Semenko. There's some, but um, not the greatest fighter. Like I wouldn't say he's a top ten guy or anything. He had some big wins, but um, I don't want to say overhyped. But might be a little overhyped by some uh, in terms of his fighting ability. His enforcer ability was second to none. He was awesome. And, uh, again, you didn't mess with anybody and, and like, it's often been brought up. Like he, he talked more people out of fighting than actually fighting. Like he even says in the ice guardians, right? Like everybody remembers that part. He just skate by the bench and he's like, are we going to keep playing like this all night or what are we going to do? And most of the time it got shut down and, uh, that's enforcing right there, man. So yeah, some ankle. Hey, absolutely. And then number one, George LaRock. Yeah, you know, hundred. I looked at 116 tilts in seven years, and probably you could count on one hand how many of those he lost. And, uh, yeah, um, I have George. Actually, when I did my top ten a few episodes ago, I had George number three all time. And um, I took some shit over it, but it was like, you know, I. how can you argue, really? How many fights did he lose? You know, you count, like I said, you could pretty much in throughout his career in one hand. And I don't remember him... I don't remember him getting dropped. I mean, somebody help me. Um, I don't remember it. And, uh, yeah, George is the man. And, uh, when, and I've, you know, it's the one, my only kind of knock on LaRock, if I could, if I could do it, if there was any, I don't, I, I personally think he wasn't mean enough. Um, he's just not a mean guy. And, uh, and I think if he had been mean enough and a little more forceful, um, I think he would have been a little more, little more uh, effective as an enforcer. Um, nonetheless, I don't think anybody really wanted to mess with him. But I think they also knew that, like, he wasn't gonna, he wasn't gonna do what Samanco and McSorley did. Like, he wasn't gonna jump you or, 
or like, let's go. No, I'm not fighting you. Well, you are. I mean, George would just be okay. You know, I, you know what I mean? Like, I, I like he just wasn't mean. Um, but when he did, the gloves came off, he certainly would take care of business, but, um, he wasn't going to jump here or anything. And he had like the code thing and all that and eh, whatever. But, um, this whole good luck bullshit and all that stuff. I mean, that's whatever. Why George? Why? But, um, although league's probably very lucky that George didn't have some Mako's, um, mindset. Maybe that's, you know, that, that might've ended up badly for somebody, but, um, yeah, man. Uh, when it comes down to actual fighting ability, pff, out of these five, I would have George at number one as well. Um, but yeah, um, the one guy I would have on the list instead of McIntyre, I would, and he he gets he's gross. To, in my opinion, he is grossly underrated. Um, is Kevin McClellan? Pff, McClellan was awesome. I looked it up. Seven seasons with the Oilers, he had 143 fights. Lefty, wide open. Again, go to my YouTube channel. I hate to keep promoting it, but um, Kevin McClellan, John Cordick. Uh, Cordick's first, actually, NHL fight. It's in the preseason. Unbelievable, toe-to-toe. McClellan, just type in Kevin McClellan. Go down that rabbit hole on YouTube. Tremendous fighter. No, I'm not saying, was he heavyweight champ? No, but um, did it for a long time. Solid player, 20-goal guy. McClellan was a good player. That's solid with the Oilers. And I mean, man, you just think of him and Marty and, and Samanko cruising around. Like, Jesus, he didn't mess around with the Oilers. And I would definitely have McClellan on that list. Um, I would have him at number five instead of McIntyre. Um, then Marty, Brown, Samanko, LaRock. Yeah, I mean, even the even their, the order, I'd probably... I mean, I would pro- probably have... I mean, again, what do you... If, is it, it comes down to enforcing... Yeah, I could see Smanko being in there um, in terms of actual fighting ability. If it was fighting ability, I would have, I'd still have George at number one. I'd have Brown at two. I'd have Marty at three, Smanko at four, and McClellan at five. Um, is how I would have it. But, you know, you have other Oilers in there. You could have, um, again, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have McIntyre in it. it. Just didn't, he just didn't do it long enough. But I mean, you got Buka Boom, um, well, Louis DeBrusque, Luke Gazdick, um, I guess Richardson, Storantini, Strudwig. I'm just trying to think of the Oilers. Um, Buckberger. Um, yeah, Brackenberry. Uh, you know, Cassian. I get Lucic. I mean, they're all kind of just tough dudes. It's, you know, um, I wouldn't like, I'm not putting them in the category of Marty or Dave Brown or anything, but, uh, some tough guys. Um, Gazdick, I, I'm a huge Luke Gazdick fan. It's a shame he came, you know, he kind of came in the wrong era. Um, if he had come like 10 years earlier, yeah, he's wild swinger. I, I was down with Luke Gazdick. I was really happy when he came up and, um, I enjoyed some of his AHL stuff and yeah. And DeBrusque, um, came out, came out of London and the America or in the OHL, pardon me, with, uh, with just a huge rep and, um, and yeah, tough guy. Um, I don't know. He, he never seemed to really, um, and there was always a story. He didn't really embrace the role. Um, you know, he, he wanted to play a little, and I can't blame him, you know, cause he had 30 goal guy in the OHL. And, and I think he just got, you know, fourth line dummy minutes and in the NHL and just didn't, you know, wasn't getting playing time. And I think that, uh, he started to really affect him and, um, you know, he kind of, most of the time he did a lot of grappling. 
Like apparently he was like one of the, he bench pressed like 500 pounds or something ridiculous. Although you see him now, it looks like he'd still do it. Um, but he was like ridiculously strong and, uh, yeah, he was more of a kind of a grappler guy, but, uh, he'd swing it out now and again, but yeah, but tough dude. Again, I'd have him in front of Matt. In front of McIntyre and stuff, like I said, he played. I don't know how many how many games he played with the Oilers. Had to be at least two or three hundred. Um, so um, now, if McIntyre played those same amount of games, yes, I would have him. He was whatever in your quotes tougher than Louis DeBrusque. But um, yeah, I just can't have Mac on the list. Just like I said, just due to uh, lack of numbers. But um, yeah, guys, there you go. That was and like I said, the the. As far as that list goes, there's another list. Um, I really can't take the piss out of it. I mean, the names are all solid. I'd have the same four, and I would have had McClellan instead of McIntyre. That was the only thing. And But having Mac on there, I'm not yelling and screaming that that's terrible. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, but Kevin, McC- Kevin McClellan just in general is overlooked by a lot of people. And uh, I was just on Drop Your Love. And, like, I mean, I... I've never like gone down. Like, I mean, I've seen tons of McClellan fights and whatever, but when you actually go and look at the numbers on drop, your, of course you could do that with drop your gloves before, but you miss it. But, uh, um, I was just looking, man, the guy had like 20, like 29, 28, 27 fights a year. It was like, son of a bitch. I mean, yeah. Kevin McClellan was legit dude though. But speaking of drop your gloves, um, uh, Steve, my boy there, when Probert was com, has, uh, been for all year, been pushing to raise money and he had a GoFundMe and everything for the to bring Drop Your Gloves back and I believe he wants to call it um, was it the Fight Fight Chronicles I believe um, and he has got a computer designer set up to do it and they made their first payment and this guy's starting it so slowly but surely the a, a, a Drop Your Gloves style website is coming back bigger and better than ever. Um, Steve, I know has a lot of visions for it and he's been keeping everyone updated and, um, I'm going to actually, I'm going to talk to Steve here and I'm going to get him to come on or just, I'm going to record a little something about, uh, the progress of how, what's coming with the, what's coming with the website and everything. And I want to just, like I've said it before, but I commend Steve for his tenacity and just sticking with it and just raising the money. Like I said, there's a lot of people out there and I'm including myself, a lot of talk at that, oh, I missed the site, you know, but no one ever did anything about it. Well, Steve was the only one that did it. He took the bull by the horns, went and tracked, and he's not a computer guy, but he immersed himself in trying to learn. He he talked to a number of different computer guys, found one, um, and he's sticking with it, man, and he should be commended. And when that site finally gets online, we all owe Steve a, a huge debt of gratitude. And, uh, Thanks, man. I appreciate it because uh, I love that site and I'm really looking forward to see what this one's going to be like. And like I said, it's going to be a work in progress, labor of love. You know, a lot of guys contributed to Drop Your Gloves back in the day. It wasn't just one guy doing all that. No, there was a lot of guys putting up the fight cards or, and the comments about the fights and videos and what have you. And it's going to take a lot to build that back. But uh, Steve is definitely dedicated to it. So that was really cool. And, and it's great to see it going forward. But uh yeah, guys, there we go. It is midnight here, so I'm going to stop talking. And uh, um, it is nice to be down in the basement, though. I know my I know my wife is very happy. She doesn't have to listen to this shit while she's trying to get ready to go to bed. But uh, um, I want to thank everybody for tuning in again. Um, like I said, Fourth Line Voice on Twitter, on Facebook. Uh, if you happen to be on social media, give me a follow. 
drop me a line. Let me know about the show, good, bad, or otherwise. Uh, and again, fourth line voice on YouTube, over 2,600 fights from junior to pro. I have everything sorted. Just go to the search engine, type in um, yeah, whoever or whatever league, um, and it'll come up. So definitely give it a give it a look. And uh, like I said, now that I'm in the house and I got my fight DVDs unpacked, um, I will be spinning some new ones. And, and uh, well, they'll be old fight, new to you. And uh, I'll be putting some stuff up there. Um, I'll try to do it uh weekly oh definitely in every couple days i'll try to put some fights up for you guys so definitely check those out but uh we'll wrap it up like i said it's a sunday bloody sunday so i hope everyone's having a good weekend we'll get ready for the work week and uh yeah or if you're listening to this monday morning on your commute uh i i feel you i'm right there with you hang in there and we'll we'll get through it but uh thank you everybody for listening and for the feedback and and for always supporting the show and uh, it's greatly, I always say it's appreciated and it's true. It's greatly appreciated. And uh, thanks everybody. And we will talk to you on Wednesday. All right, guys. Thanks. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was on?